Kia ora. Welcome to Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. I'm Andrew Dixon. It's good to have you here. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. If you haven't listened in before, uh, the heart of this podcast is to encourage us all that making a difference and bringing a bit of heaven down to earth is often much more ordinary than we all think. It's ordinary people doing ordinary things. We've had some fantastic conversations already. Uh, We heard from Kerry Ewing from Pathway and the work that they do with men who are either in prison or recently released. We chatted with Benny from Benny's Barbershop and saw how any business can be used uh, to be more than just a money-making venture, instead breathing a bit of life into the world. And last episode, I talked to Emma Chilvers from the Champion Centre, talking about difference and how we treat people who are different from us. So thanks to everyone who's been listening in already. Um, If you haven't listened to those episodes, once you've finished this one, uh, head back for a listen to those, because... They really are ordinary people doing ordinary things and making a huge difference. Today I have a special lockdown version of the podcast. Uh, Up until now I've sat with people in person to have a conversation, but given that I'm in my lockdown bubble, as many of you are due to the pandemic that is COVID-19, at least till the end of today, uh, I took the opportunity to connect online with someone who knows a good deal about talking into mics, uh, and that's Frank Ritchie. Frank is a broadcaster a minister and a media chaplain, pastorally caring for the media of Aotearoa. Given his unique position of being a minister with a positive working relationship with the media, he has also been making frequent appearances on our TV and computer screens and radios, uh, having been interviewed during this lockdown period by um, The AM Show, Life FM, Radio Rima, Shine TV, uh, The Weekend Collective on News Talk ZB, uh, Stuff, The Project, and Radio New Zealand, just to name a few. And of course, he's also heavily involved with CBA, uh, that's the Christian Broadcasting Association, and so was able to spend uh, three hours on Good Friday broadcasting uh, Good Friday radio on Newstalk ZB. So in this conversation, we talk radio, uh, ministry, media, and his role after the March 2019 mosque attacks in Christchurch, as well as what the lockdown means for him and for his work. He's an ordinary guy doing what he can with what's in front of him. This is episode four of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Frank Ritchie. The whole point of what we do with chaplaincy is to provide a space where they're heard. So there there is no agenda. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to introduce them to Jesus. There is no agenda other than I want you to know that in this moment you are seen and you are heard and there's someone here who cares about you. So uh, here today with Frank Ritchie. Welcome, Frank. Thank you. Now, we first met (laughs) quite a number of years ago. Uh, and we're in the opposite positions to we are today, where you were on Life FM as a DJ, 
and I was in a band wanting to be a rock star and uh, <laughs> and you were interviewing me. So uh, nice to have the tables flipped a bit this time. But yeah, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about um, who you are, you know, wh- what it is that you you get up to with your life and, yeah, uh, and we'll go good. from there. That's a good question. I have... Uh, I have a relatively varied life. There's a there's a few things I do in life now. The radio the radio has been a relative constant since the days on Life FM, but it's taken on a slightly different form uh, now. And once I moved on from Life FM, I eventually got involved with Christian Broadcasting Association, yeah. and they have a really good relationship with News Talk ZB. Uh, so I now do stuff on News Talk ZB. I have a Sunday evening show uh, every Sunday at six pm with my co-host Jax. We're on for an hour and a half, broadcast around the country and I also do stuff with CBA at Christmas and Easter on News Talk ZB as well which is a real privilege so that's my radio stuff yeah. I also have uh, in 2016 planted a Wesleyan Methodist Church in Hamilton where I now uh, live yep. uh, so that's a that's a wonderful little kind of contemplative quiet really mm. simple little congregation and service that I, I really enjoy uh, and then the rest of my work is chaplaincy to people who work in news media. So there's a couple of ways that that plays out. There's a group called SALT that CBA uh, runs, which is about 300 Christians who work in media around the country. We support them. Mm, I'm involved cool. in their pastoral care. And then uh, to the wider media, we run a service, service called Media Chaplaincy New Zealand so that we can provide a safe place for anybody who works in the news media to be able to sit down, chat about life and process. Mm. So outside of lockdown, my life looks mm. like sitting in a lot of cafes, drinking a lot of coffee and having conversations with amazing people. At the moment, while we're in lockdown, yeah. that's taking place over video. And family as well, trying to balance that at the same time? Yeah, I, I'm fortunate. I've got I've got a wife. I've been married for about seven, coming up 17 years, and I've got a 13-year-old daughter. So I'm fortunate in lockdown to not have, is it fortunate? I don't have toddlers running around that I have to try and wrangle uh, while trying to do my work as well. Yeah, unlike me who has just put mine to bed so that we can have this chat. <laughs> well done. Um, hopefully he stays asleep. <laughs> so were you always interested in media? Is that Was that a goal from early on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a, Probably from maybe early high school. I loved the idea of being a radio announcer. Mm. Uh, initially that was music radio. Uh, I, I just loved, I loved music radio. I loved the fun of it. I loved the idea as an introvert of sitting in a studio on my own, but still talking yeah. to a whole lot of people. Uh, but that morphed once I got involved in Life FM and I started getting uh, involved in Talkback on Sunday nights in a show that used to be called The Green Room. Mm. Uh, that, that just lit up the power of Talkback for me. Uh, that would have been the early 2000s. I think I would have maybe begun 2001, 2002. And I did that show for about eight years. And seeing the ability of Talkback to connect into people's lives. This was before social media. Yeah. Uh, and Talkback was like the precursor to social media, the democratization of media, where people could call up. They might like what the announcer is saying. They might not. And they'd get to wrangle. They'd get to discuss things. They could feel like they were heard. Uh, it was a chance to for us to speak into what was going on in people's mm. lives. So that's where Talkback lit me up. Now, ZB, in my view, has always been the holy grail of Talkback. So to be involved in ZB now, doing doing that as well, touching people in their lives, getting right into their their living rooms. When you think about the power of radio, People can listen from wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can listen in their bedroom, in their car, in their lounge, and no matter how they're feeling, it'll be there as well. So uh, I think media in that that regard is huge. Is there any 
um, particular topic that or, or sets of topics that you like talking about with Talkback, or is it just you just love the environment? Oh, mate, it, yeah, I just I love the environment, and, and that can range. Obviously, as a minister, I come with a particular lens, yeah. uh, particular particular worldview and way of seeing the world, um, and I want I want that to be able to speak into whatever's going on in our nation. Now, sometimes in, on my show, that will happen quite overtly when people are listening to our show on News Talk ZB. They know they're talking to a minister, yeah. so sometimes that will will come out. But I'm interested in human flourishing, and that is a that is a thing in and of itself relates to everything. Uh, so the question of human flourishing, no matter what's going on, is is relevant. Now, sometimes we're just lighthearted and it's a bit of fun. Other times it's deeper meaningful. But I'm I'm happy to uh, communicate across across the range. Cool. And um, what led you then to the ministry? So you you had this kind of career in, in radio going on. Um, you decided at one stage that you wanted to become a minister. What was what was the drive behind that? Oh yeah, that's that's a that's a really good question. I uh, I grew up my whole life saying that I would never be a minister. Um, and what what kid what kid says they're never going to be a, a minister unless they feel like there's something compelling them yeah. in that direction. Uh, but I had, a, I had a really varied Christian upbringing. Uh, my mother is mentally ill, so she, uh, for various reasons, would would move from church to church to church. So I grew up uh, experiencing everything from literally people barking in the aisles, Pentecostal, swinging in the rafters, uh, right through to Roman Catholic, Mormon, Presbyterian, Baptist, Salvation Army. I've experienced the whole the whole flavor. Um, and grew up resenting it because of some of the uh, early experiences. Um, but I got to my I got to my late teens um, and going uh, knocking on twenty years old and got involved with some Christians who just didn't fit the negative stuff that I built up in my head, uh, and it caused me to totally rethink the whole thing. So I got involved with a church as uh, I guess my own expression of taking it seriously for myself. And because I resented so much stuff, I stepped into the church because I wanted to follow Jesus, not because I wanted to be in church. And I remember harassing the the minister of the as a kind of 20, 21 year old, harassing the minister, telling him everything I thought was wrong, uh, why everything needed to change. And probably to get the monkey off his back, he told me I should think about theological uh, study. And so I went and did it as someone who who flunked everything in high school, and uh, and it completely lit me up. There was this whole new world. Uh, I encountered a whole bunch of thinkers that I was into, and I did I did well in all the early papers that I did. It was only a diploma to start with because it was a way of dipping my toes into uh, tertiary education. Um, but I loved it. And I got to the end of my diploma, passed with flying colors. And I remember the dean at the time saying, hey, you should think about more theological study because you think like a theologian. Uh, so we eventually ended up moving to uh, Auckland. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on in between there and encountered the Wesleyan Methodist Church. Now, the history of Methodism I adore, you know, a good solid view of the gospel, but they were real reformers, societal reformers. They saw, they were constantly looking for the things that needed to be changed mm. uh, because they had the sense that if you live out the gospel and you live following Jesus, that means you should be involved. Mm. And when you're involved, society should look different because of Christian engagement. And I fell in love with that. And so the, it felt like this coming home. 
And so that started this journey of not being able to deny anymore that actually I was called to be a minister. And the, the progress since then has been this slow movement towards, okay, happy to be a minister, don't want to lead a church to a local church planting. That's been a, a slow progress. Mm-hmm. And how have you found, like, so you've planted a church, you've mm. particularly planted a contemplative sort of style of church that uh, I guess when a lot of people think of, or a lot of people who don't go to church think of churches, they think of what they see in the media, which is much more the um, the big flashy uh, contemporary yeah. things, or um, they see like the Anglican bishops or, or things, or especially down here in Christchurch, you know, with um, the, the rebuilding of the cathedral and stuff. And so, um, yeah, how have you found it planting a church that kind of doesn't fit that mold and how people have responded to that? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, I, I don't want a big church. Um, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse. I'm not built for a big church. And I like the idea of people being in smaller connected communities. There are big churches who do their thing really well. And if you want a big church, go to one of them. I'd encourage you to go to one of them. That's not what we are. So we were always looking for something that was going to help people feel connected, that it was going to, rather than... Uh, there's a, I think our culture is really busy and noisy at the moment, and I think a lot of churches are trying to cut through by being noisier. Um, and I reckon there's a real opportunity here for the church to subvert the noise rather than trying to cut through the noise, to offer people a respite from the noise. So the question we were asking was, how do we offer that respite? How do we set this up so that when people encounter us, whether it be through our Sunday service, uh, any of our home groups, anything that we do when they encounter us online, how do we enable it so that they walk away feeling like they got to take a breath? They got to rest because I think gentleness and kindness and rest are significant parts of the spirit at work. Um, and so in setting it up, our Sunday service is liturgical. You'll read the same words. We'll go through the same words, the same common prayer, uh, pretty much every single Sunday. In that regard, it's not too different from your traditional Anglican church. The liturgy is just a whole lot simpler. There are moments of silence. We don't do any singing, uh, which as a terrible singer, I find to be a bit of a, <laughs> a relief, as I've heard from a number of our people. And the response has been good. We've got people who have come out uh, feeling burned or run down or tired from the church environments that they have been in, or people who are now, especially online with the lockdown, exploring spirituality where ours feels like a safe, gentle place to to land. So the response has been really good. Um, of course, it's mixed in with what I do in the media. Like it, it's very strange for a church minister of less than 50 people to have a bit of a national reach in terms of being able to speak into things. Um, but I think people find the the voice that I have and what what we're talking about a little bit refreshing. Mm, absolutely, and so do you find then thinking about your reach within the media? Do you find um, your response from the media um, to you as a minister has been a positive one? Yeah, yeah. I we were we were a little nervous when we first started Media Chaplaincy in New Zealand. So that that comes with a minor story. I was working for Tier Fund when we started Media Chaplaincy. I was working for Tier Fund at the time, and I felt like what I had been able to bring to the table for Tier Fund had done its job. Uh, and so I'd felt this call back to the media. 
um, but didn't feel like as a minister becoming a full-time radio announcer again was going to be the way to go. And so we were looking at the landscape. It was about 2014, 2015. Things were changing really fast in the media at the time. And as we looked around, we couldn't really see any care for journalists. And as someone who believes in the importance of good news, uh, good solid quality news, because news has a big influence on who we are as a nation, we understood that, uh, that looking after people in the media and making sure they were healthy was a significant part of making sure that our news was quality. Uh, and there was nothing. So looking at the landscape, we thought actually one of the best things we could bring to the table is some sort of care. And chaplaincy seemed like a really good thing to bring to the table. But of course, the media is weary of Christians. It's weary of church leaders. It's weary of the agendas that we often bring to the table. It's weary of the condemnation that we often throw uh, their way. For a lot of them, the only interaction they have with Christians is via complaint emails or letters, uh, which will quote scripture at them, tell them how bad they are, or it's via church leaders saying things that probably just don't need to be said. So that's their lens for Christianity. So we were coming into the mix, a guy who wears a clerical collar saying, hey, we're here to serve and we're here to help. It's been a long, slow road of ever since then, just continuing to build trust to show that our only agenda is to is to serve. But uh, the response has been growing uh, and the awareness has been growing. Christchurch March 15 was a was a huge part of, of that. And then coming into this as well, the lockdown that we're now in, that constant messaging coming from myself in particular, of, how are you doing? I'm here to listen. Uh, has uh, It's getting better and better all the time. Mm. So, yeah, let's go to March 15 then. Um, you, you're up in Hamilton. You hear that there's been a shooting. What's the next step for you? Yeah, I mean, for just as with everybody, that that day unfolded for me as a, as a very strange day. You know, I was out having a pastoral conversation with someone in the morning at a cafe, and then I came home and I saw a headline. Uh, the headline was about a shooting in Christchurch. I thought it was probably just some gang thing, so I didn't I didn't read the story. And then I got a call from Rima. Uh, asking me if I could pray on the air about the shooting. And I, in my mind, I was like, well, I would never get asked to do that just for a gang shooting. Uh, so there must be something more to this. So I asked them to give me about 10 minutes so I could go and have a look at the information that was coming out. And when I saw what was going on, I agreed to it. So I said a prayer on air for Rima. And then my boss at CBA got in touch and he said, should we fly you down to Christchurch? I was really wary of the idea to start with because we had no set plan. I had no idea what I was going to do when I when I landed, and I didn't want to be a distraction. I didn't want anybody else to feel like they needed to look after me uh, while I was in the in the middle of it. But eventually, he he convinced me. So I booked flights for that night. But uh, halfway to the airport, we saw that they were grounding flights between uh, the regions because they couldn't do the security check properly in uh, Christchurch. So I drove back, went to the mosque, and spent some time there, uh, which is just up the road from where I live here in Hamilton. And then the next morning, flew down into Christchurch again with only a very loose idea of what I was going to do. So I know that when a story like this breaks, or any sort of story that has big news involved, journalists will find a place to stand and wait for information. And when they do that, they won't eat or drink anything, because if they leave where they're standing, uh, they might miss the information. 
So we just found a quarter near the mosque uh, where they were congregated. And I turned up in my clerical collar and just walked up to them and said, hey, I know here's who I am. Here's what I do. I know you probably haven't had anything to eat or drink. Is there something I could go and get for you? Yeah. Um, some took up that offer. Uh, some didn't, but some took the took the chance to offload there and then about how they are feeling because in that situation, it's very clear what the collar is is all about. It was a real privilege. So I also spent some time that weekend catching up with journalists over coffee, helping them de-stress, uh, process a little bit of what was going on before they got back into the mix. And there was a lot of goodwill built through that. Mm. What the public doesn't know is the end of that week as well, the following Friday, we sent out to all the newsrooms uh, just a box of lint chocolates, just full of little the little chocolate balls, different flavors, with a note just to let them know we really appreciated what they what they were doing. So all of the major newsrooms in um, in the country got one of those one of those boxes and one of those notes. Again, coming from a Christian minister to say we care about you. You've done an amazing job uh, with this, and a lot of them were tired by that point. And so I know that the res the response we got to that. Uh, just that box of chocolates was phenomenal. Uh, and there's a lot of relationship that's been built off just that box of chocolates that got sent out as well. I love what you're saying about um, like relationship building and connecting um, as opposed to what you also said they're used to from Christians, which is agendas and complaints. And so, so to present to them, actually, you know, I'm here to be with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining that you didn't come with a whole lot of advice for them, um, no. but, but that no, no. you sat down and you listened to them and, and you felt, uh, well, they felt safer because they were listened to. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole point of what we do with chaplaincy is to provide a space where they're heard. So there, there is no agenda. I have no agenda. I don't, I'm not trying to introduce them to Jesus. There is no agenda other than I want you to know that in this moment you are seen and you are heard and there's someone here who cares about you. That is it. And I know that for those of us who have grown up around evangelical circles in particular, there's this sense that if we're not telling people about Jesus, we're doing something wrong. If we're not finding every moment to tell people about Jesus, we're doing something wrong. But why should someone bother listening to us if they haven't seen that we genuinely care about them? If you look at a lot of the, the kind of evangelistic techniques that many of us have grown up with, there is actually little respect for the other person. We have all the things that we're equipped to say, but sitting and listening is a huge part of the journey of our of our Christian faith. I go to Jesus uh, when he was heading into Jericho and he encounters a blind man calling out for calling out for mercy. And everybody tries to shut the blind man up. And then Jesus invites him into the middle of the story. And he doesn't go, here's what you need, and then heals him. He says to him, what is it that you want me to do for you? There's something really significant there. The answer was obvious. But our question should always be, what is it that you want me to do for you? Yeah. Actually show that we, we genuinely care. Yeah, totally. I think it, hearing you talking about them offloading their stories, offloading their, you know, the stuff that was going on for them, um, also, I guess, challenges some of the perception that we have of the media with these mm. just um, almost emotionless people who rush out to get the story. And you see that on TV you know, the story breaks and they're in the van and they're screaming around corners and, you know, and yeah. and um, you don't get any sense that they've actually people who are getting impacted by this themselves. Um, yeah. 
but you you seem to have encountered more humanity in them um, than that stereotype. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, same goes same goes with with anything. It's the same in talking to the media about Christians and Christian leaders and Christian circles. That what's on the other side is is humans. Christian leaders are human beings. Same goes when Christians are thinking about the media and the wider public thinking about the media. We're we're dealing with very human people. So the pod that, that you've been listening to, Friday Prayers, it was, was a real chance to have them uh, tell their stories. And you hear some very human things like Blair Ensor uh, in order to try and get to the to where the shooting had happened so he could tell the story. Trying to get on a lime scooter and fumbling with his credit card in order to get on the lime scooter. And then because he was jacked up on adrenaline, driving that lime scooter right into the park with a bunch of stones where it wasn't made to go. Or you hear Lisa Davies on her way in the van. So in the van, just like you would imagine in the story, but not screaming around hungry for the story. She's holding the hand of her camera person and they realize what it is that they're heading into. And you can hear the emotion in Lisa's voice as she tells the story. And a lot of them talked about how there are images that they now have in their heads that they're never going to be able to get rid of. And if nobody, if Christians can't sit with that and speak into that and offer some sort of connection empathy and humanity in the middle of their story then what have we really got to offer uh yeah yeah and if you want to um to hear some of those stories uh i'd really recommend listening to frank's podcast uh, do you want to tell us how we find that frank yeah so if you go to uh, mediachaplaincy.nz you can you can have a look around that website and find out what we're about a little bit mediachaplaincy.nz and there's a link at the top in there in the categories that is friday prayers that's where those six podcasts are yeah awesome um yeah go and have a listen some really um honest open chats there with uh, some of these people who dived right in so that the rest of us could know what was going on um, mm. so currently we're in lockdown. Um, you said life's changed a bit for you in terms of the way that you're connecting with people, but, uh, have you found that this is another situation that's, that's brought out the desire for people to connect? Yeah, totally. And, and with a, with a difference this time, and I don't know if it's because March 15 changed the tone of, of some things, uh, but I'm finding people, asking questions about spirituality this time in a way that they that they haven't before soft towards it i've seen people uh in conversation with me talking about having prayed for the first time in decades or for the first time at all or people checking out church online for the first time in a way like that they never have before and i think there's a challenge for churches in that too understanding that there are now people exploring and from the safety of their home, they can come anonymously into our church settings. I think we need to be very thoughtful about what we're communicating in our online services, understanding that there are people who are encountering us for the very first time in some of those settings. I think, I think there's a real challenge there, Uh, but certainly in the, in the media space, Lots of people are losing their jobs. Uh, think about uh, when we're recording this, just yesterday, the announcement of radio sport um, disappearing. That's a whole lot of people who have now lost their jobs. I think uh, NZME, which runs the Herald and News Talk ZB and Radio Sport and a whole bunch of others, their sporting announcers and the sporting reporters, that's going to be cut by about 50%, I think. 
uh, and newsrooms around the country. Uh, think about all the local papers now who are not considered essential services. Some of those might disappear. There's a lot of people losing their jobs or having their incomes cut down completely. So just like many industries are experiencing that, media is experiencing that as well. It's worth remembering. Mm, yeah, definitely. You, you often, I mean, you, it's easy to, to see that there's still like stuff articles coming out and still news on the television and go, oh yeah, they're all sorted. But actually that's not the case for many of them. No. And outside of Radio New Zealand, the rest are private. They rely on either subscribers or they rely on advertising dollars and advertising that has decreased significantly through this. Ratings for pretty much everybody, readership of newspapers and listeners to, uh, to radio and watches of television, the numbers on those are through the roof. And I've, I've seen it just in my Sunday radio show. The amount of people we have calling at the moment is phenomenal without us needing to prompt it. But the advertising dollars have disappeared. And because the advertising dollars have disappeared, they're all having to look at where they cut costs and where they reduce things in order to remain alive, much like in New Zealand at the moment uh, as well. So, yes, you're still hearing media. You're probably engaging it more than you ever have before. Uh, but their income has is disappearing. And mm. so there's a lot of jobs on the line at the moment. Mm. And so as the media chaplain, where do you find yourself in the midst of all of that? Uh, I find myself getting in touch with people. That's that's where we, as a chaplaincy organisation, we differ a little bit from other chaplaincy organisations. We are proactive. Uh, so rather than waiting for them to come to us, though that's happening a little bit now, uh, I identify where the stress points are or where people might need somebody to talk to and then I get in touch. So for instance, with the announcement of Radio Sport yesterday, uh, this morning, really early this morning, I was sending out messages to people who I knew were affected. Uh, and now I've had conversations in this first half of the day with most of them. Uh, so I find myself right in, right in the middle of it, making sure that people are doing okay. Yeah, awesome. Oh, thanks so much for this conversation. I just, I love the way that whether it's radio or ministry or chaplaincy, that your heart is really for people. Um, your heart is for listening and for seeing the humanity of others. So, um, yeah, thanks for this conversation. Thanks for being who you are and and sharing this time with us. Uh, have you got any way that if people want to connect, how do they find you? Uh, where Where is your social presence? Um, yeah. <laughs> My social presence is everywhere. But yeah. if you want to see... Uh, <laughs> You want to see where I engage the most with media in particular, uh, they're all on Twitter. So uh, Twitter can be a, uh, a crazy place to be, but it's a, it's a good place to connect with them. So if you want to see how I connect, just search for Frank Ritchie on Twitter and you'll find me, Guy in the Collar. Uh, same with on Facebook. I'm getting a bit wary about who I accept as in my private connections on Facebook, but if you search for Francis Ritchie on Facebook, you'll find my public page. You can see stuff there as well. Uh, my church is commoners.church on Facebook. That's really easy to find. You can see live videos of what our service looks like and some of the other stuff that we get up to as well. And mate, thanks so much for inviting me to have the conversation. I appreciate it. No worries. Pleasure to have you. Thanks, Frank. Since we recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago, many more media are out of jobs, with magazines and newspapers especially feeling the financial pinch of the lockdown, uh, some of whom have decided already that they won't be back, uh, at least in their current format. So Frank has a great deal many more people to connect with and to support during these uncertain times. 
Now, I've known Frank in various capacities for many years, but what really struck me from our conversation was how Frank sees the humanity in people. His main posture is one of openness and welcome, truly listening, regardless of who it is in front of him. Whether it's talkback radio, ministering to his congregation, or engaging with Aotearoa's media, Frank carries himself with a desire to make room for others. I've been thinking a lot during this lockdown about how we bring a bit of heaven down to earth in this particular time and space. And I think Frank nails it on the head. He doesn't come with answers or advice. He doesn't approach people knowing what the right thing for them to do is. He approaches people with open ears, an open heart, bringing questions that have no other agenda than to make sure those he is engaging with are truly heard. In this time of pandemic, everyone is experiencing the world differently. As I've had conversations and checked in with people, I've found that no two families or house bubbles are the same in how they are feeling at the moment. Some of them are loving the space, others are lonely and isolated, or full on with children. Some are flat out working from home doing more than they used to. Others are worried about their future and their finances. We can't engage with anyone assuming that we know what is going on for them. So we need to ask questions and we need to listen. So thanks Frank for the encouragement and for doing what you do to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Again, I'd totally recommend listening to Frank's podcast, Friday Prayers. Uh, There are six episodes very, very listenable. Uh, you'll find them at mediachaplaincy.nz. Also, to hear more from Frank, uh, follow him on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'll put details in the show notes for today's episode. And since we recorded this episode, Frank has started a Patreon page for those who would like to gain further access to content from him. Articles, video and audio covering spirituality, Christian faith, culture and media. And that's just $3.50 US, so a little over $5 a month. And if that interests you, uh, patreon.com forward slash Frank Ritchie. Join me again in a fortnight when I chat with singer-songwriter, keynote speaker, wife and mother, Julia Grace. Until then, me inoi tato. E tō mātou matua i te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa. Kia tau mai rangatiratanga, kia me atu tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā, mūro hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e harana kia mātou Aua hoki mātou e kawia kia whakawaia Engari whakorangia mātou i te kino Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.